Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about sports business, technology, analytics, leadership, all different kinds of things. We're recording this one at the Sloan MIT conference in early March. I'm Joe Favorito sitting in solo this time. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit today about leadership, careers, uh, kind of the unique paths across sports. Our guest today is Sashi Brown, the Senior Vice President of Monumental Basketball. Sashi, welcome to the Cusp Show. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate you having me. So you've had quite a, um, an interesting, I will call it, career. Uh, Harvard-educated, Hampton University, uh, general manager of the Cleveland Browns, now reinventing a culture across multiple teams in Washington. Give us a little bit of a background on how you got to where you are, Sashi. Yeah. Uh, I w- look back now, and sometimes it's hard to figure out exactly how I got here. Um, it's always a good question. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think, Joe, I, I finished up law school in 2002, uh, went into private practice in Washington, D.C., and really enjoyed counseling leagues and teams on uh, various financings and equity transactions, sales of ownership interest in teams. And that's what really gave me my start, and that was with a gentleman, Dick Cass. Dick is uh, president of the Baltimore Ravens. That's what gave me my start into sports and began to really enjoy that practice and counseling ownership groups uh, and leagues as well. And from there, got an opportunity to take my skill set in-house at an NFL team and spent the better part of a decade and a half in the NFL and then had the opportunity to join Monumental Sports last summer uh, in what I believe is uh, really unique and um, great vision that uh, our ownership group uh, in Washington had about combining, as you said, uh, our basketball properties, both NBA and WNBA and G League, and esports uh, mm-hmm. into a single platform and driving excellence through that platform. So, uh, started uh, out of law school and and found my way here some 15, 20 years later. Amazing. Um, let's talk a little bit about culture, um, NFL culture, NBA culture, esports culture. Um, when you've talked to ownership groups, whether you're working on one side or advising them when you first started out, how often does positive culture come up and how important is it today from when you started out? I would say probably not enough does it come up for mm. your first question. Um, I think culture really is is critical to any organization's success and I think that begins with a shared vision about what you want to be, who you want to be, where we are today uh, and is there a gap between where we are and where we want to be um, and why that culture, that vision is important uh, because I think we all get busy day to day with the various operational tasks that we all take on in our roles and collectively as an organization and often overlook the core things that that, uh, are going to drive success. And so we're very big and have put a lot of emphasis on making sure that we understand who we are, uh, why we are, are organized and working together and the culture that we need to make sure that we have in our building. Um, and, and we obviously are on the WNBA side, uh, witness to Mike Tebow's work at the Mystics mm-hmm. in transforming a culture. 
and very much are in that endeavor on the wizard side in terms of trying to create a championship culture on that side of our platform as well. Did you see crossovers from the time you were with, not just with the Browns, but in the NFL, to how teams addressed building positive culture to now the NBA? Is it similar, different? Are there kind of a kind of a little bit of a piece that, that works all the time, or are there differences? I think there are differences, um, and I think different facets of organizations, different people within organizations heavily impact culture. Um, I think the best organizations embrace it top down, mm -hmm. and that becomes the focus of an ownership group. That we want a culture that looks like this, that has these components, and we can define exactly what that means, and we all understand why that's important. Uh, and we talk about it. We're not shy about it. And I think those are the organizations you've seen inside and outside sports that really understand who they are and why they want to be uh, who they are uh, that, that really nail culture. And it, and it does steady you in adversity. Um, it can also um, you know, be a, a great bellwether you know, when you have opportunities for success. Uh, because adversity is coming, you know, mm -hmm. things, this is too competitive of an uh, environment and industry. We've got uh, 29 fierce, fierce competitors in the NBA that uh, we're trying to climb over every any given night. And so, you know, having uh, a rudder, so to speak, of, of kind of who you are in terms of your culture and our central mission, our vision, uh, is really essential. But, um, you know, players can, depending players, coaches can impact culture. Um, you know, fans and media around teams can impact culture as well. Uh, but I do think within a locker room and within an organization, um, if you know who you are, uh, you, can, you can withstand a lot. You've seen teams on the rebuild, and you've also now been there for a championship at the WNBA. Yeah. Um, how does winning impact that? Is, is winning keeping the, the team side different from the business side? And does winning kind of help, and how do, how do you overcome losing? Yeah, I think um, the good question. I think winning certainly helps to embed a culture, right? It's it's affirming, and as long as you're you're understanding that how your culture drives winning, impacts winning, or is impacted by winning, um, that's that's the key. Uh, who are we going to be? Why are we doing things a certain way? Whether that's the Patriots, you know, and um, uh, in the in the NFL, um, you've seen this with the Warriors certainly over the last few years at, at Golden State, and the way that they do things, the way they play, the Spurs certainly in the NBA are another example, and Mike and what he's done with the Mystics in terms of what they buy into and the way they play the game and their values. Uh, are really clear and you can see it in the way the team plays and when the team doesn't play a certain way they don't look like themselves mm -hmm. right? um, and so I think culture really does uh, affirm and embed and and I would say to your second question in terms of um, whether or not um, there are certain things that you can do I, I do believe there are I think making it central and make it forefront of mind a lot of people will write culture on the board yeah. but if you're not living it day to day um, if it's not at the forefront of your mind, if you're not reinforcing positively uh, instances when folks are really demonstrating the aspects of your culture that you, that you want, then you're leaving that, those affirmations, that success, um, 
subject to interpretation. You know, mm -hmm. did we win because this, or are we driving back into who we are and why we're having success? Uh, likewise, I think adversity can tra challenge you. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think um, oftentimes um, teams determine their success based on a win-loss record. I'm not sure that's always the right way to go about it. And I think, you know, a culture can get you through some pretty tough moments. Uh, and I've seen some great, great cultures and environments through adversity. And I've seen some horrible environments, dysfunctional environments, through a lot of success. So uh, my experience has been um, that, that your culture can exist um, and, and impact positively no matter what the scenario is that you're facing at the time in terms of on-court performance. So impact is one thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, the impact beyond games, um, Monumental has made a big push to make sure that the impact of the overall organization extends way beyond whether people come into a building or not. Um, the NFL has tried to extend legacy programs, obviously, with teams. Mm -hmm. uh, you were in a city in Cleveland which was very much ingrained in a sports culture. Mm -hmm. um, when things aren't going well on the court and or on the ice or on the field, um, how do you make sure from a leadership standpoint that everyone kind of keeps their eye on the prize, that this is impacting people well beyond a game? Um, and how valuable is that? I think, it's, I think it's really valuable. I do think it's something that you have to make sure you establish. So uh, once adversity hits, it's too late, right? Mm -hmm. So this, again, has to be who we are. And at Monumental, we always talk about Having two bottom lines is one, and certainly we're a for-profit business. Um, certainly we're a, com a competitor on the court, so we want to win. We want to uh, drive revenues, but we also want to impact the community around us in a positive way, and perhaps that's the most important thing we can do. It gives you proper perspective on, on why we're here, uh, the privilege that we have as, as sports organizations, and the impact that these sports teams can have across a community and they can lift up with success and seeing what the Cavs were able to do in Cleveland winning a championship for the first time in decades mm -hmm. uh, seeing with the Mystics and the Nationals and before them really the leader obviously was the Capitals uh, were able to do in Washington DC and you know the confidence that town had about itself uh, was great but I also think um, one of the great things Ted and his ownership group and our executive leadership team do is make sure that we constantly are talking about you know, our impact in the community and that we publicize just as, as proud as we were of uh, Natasha for winning a championship and Brad for being the second leading scorer right now in the NBA. We're just as proud of them for winning the community mm -hmm. service award in the NBA and WNBA um, you know, a, a year removed. And you know, we've got to celebrate that similarly, and we do uh, because we mean it. So I think those are the things that you need to be able to do. Um, and, and they have major impacts on, I think, what your modern fan, your modern athlete, your modern employee um, in, in these times want to think about something other than uh, the traditional bottom lines. And this gives them a sense of, um, of the organization and monumental sports care for the community and commitment to being bigger than just a sports team or mm. just a revenue driver or tax base for the city. When you look at culture uh, and leadership outside of sports, are there teams, not, not even teams, but businesses or individuals that you look to and say, 
that's the man or the woman who knows how to get things done. We need to take from that piece and figure out how to bring it into the business that we have where we are now. Are there, are there companies that you follow or businesses that you follow, people you think do it right that people should know about? We do. I'm not sure that people should know about, but we, we spend a lot of time actually um, and, and on my way in, as much as I love music, I discipline myself that three times a week at least I'm trying to listen to a podcast uh, of of leaders in different businesses and in different industries. I've watched, you know, what Boeing's going through, mm-hmm. uh, looking at, you know, what Ford Motor Company has gone through and some of their transformation. Uh, look at a lot of innovative companies in the tech space, in the finance space, um, and and even, you know, in politics, you know, some of the fresh voices that are out there that have been battling for years and some who are newer on the scene to understand kind of what innovation really looks like and how you lead in the face of adversity. We also had in uh, this year, I think the military is a great place to look um, for what leadership values can really look like. And we have done that throughout my career. I've had generals come in and and, um, that's been tremendously illustrative and great perspective to have uh, as important as uh, we think a win or a loss might be on Sunday um, nobody dies nobody nobody dies yeah. and it's um, and, and understanding what real adversity looks like uh, is is critically important and understanding what um, you know teams operate in an environment like a military mm-hmm. facing the circumstances that they face and as dire as the consequences are, uh, can help you understand what excellence really is about um, and what teamwork is really about. Who's, um, are there some people, Hampton, Harvard, growing up, your professional career, who've impacted you to help kind of lead you down kind of a, you know, an interesting path as well? Who are some of those people and what did they teach you? Yeah, it certainly started in the home for me. You know, my, my father and, and mother, um, were great in terms of encouraging uh, all of us to um, be the best versions of ourselves. Uh, always make sure that we thought of others and and not only pressed ourselves to 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 excel academically, professionally, but also be very in tune to our families, keep that balance, and the community at large. I mean, we're all just so privileged to be able to work in sports Mm -hmm. or be able to go to a great academic institution, Um, but to understand that there's a lot of folks out there that don't have as much, and that was one of the things about the monumental uh, double or triple bottom line, depending on how we want to look at it, that I think um, appealed to me. And uh, Ted and his group are are very much... um, you know, align with that. And, and there are certainly been people throughout my career, uh, whether it's Dick Cass, who I mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, and, and there are probably just too many to start naming, um, but have been able to work with some really, really talented people um, and, frankly, have watched some of the athletes that I've been, you know, intimately involved with uh, over the course of my career who have been really, really excellent leaders as well. And you can see it across, you know, sports when you, when you watch um, the teams, the captains, um, the CEOs that you bump into certainly have, have been that. And I had some tremendous professors at Harvard, had some tremendous professors at Hampton that also really inspired me. I think the, the woman that I would say probably had the greatest impact on me early 
uh, when I was a young teenager was a woman named Freddie Davies. She was the director of the Honors College at Hampton, and Dr. Davies, um, you know, great, one of her great callings in life was she was one of a handful of teachers that was selected to prep the Little Rock Nine. Wow. To go into uh, that school and make sure they could hit the ground running academically, understanding that community did that those young folks were going to deal with a lot of adversity socially uh, walking into that school. And uh, Dr. Davey was uh, just adamant about pulling the most from all of ourselves, given everything we were afforded that uh, many of our ancestors hadn't been. So uh, she was certainly an inspiration to me. That's certainly a big picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk now a little bit about your role at Monumental Basketball and what Monumental Basketball is trying to achieve. We started at the beginning talking about the teams, the Go-Go, the Liberty, uh, the Liberty, the Go-Go, the Wizards, the Mystics, esports teams, kind of under one roof, sharing some practices, learning from each other. What's the vision and how did it come about? Yeah, so the vision is effectively to become a center for basketball excellence. Championship basketball, um, you know, something that we think is inherent to Washington, D.C., from the Bullets, Mystics, Georgetown, um, you know, right down to Berry Farms in the community. I mean, basketball and D.C. go hand in hand. You've got DeMatha, you've got legendary high school programs, Calvert Hall, you know, not just in, ba- in, in Baltimore, the, the entire corridor. So. Yeah. And I think Ted recognized that about where we were. And, and Ted is, you know, a great visionary. And he sees his business in a unique way relative to other sports owners I've been around. And I think he's got a really innovative, smart take on what his company can be, what his franchises can be individually and collectively. And when I sat down with him, he was talking about a, he laid out to me his vision for uh, what he felt like he wanted to build around his basketball programs. And that was alluring. I think the notion of creating, um, you know, that, that center or that platform for our, our WNBA, our NBA, our G League franchises, our 2K uh, franchise, which is esports, um, is unique and again innovative and so what we're doing effectively is trying to provide the best most comprehensive support for those coaches the teams coaches and athletes to get on the court and have the best chance to, to win night in and night out and so we've uh, assembled quite a group of people and expended some real resources and investment uh, into our teams into our platform and we're confident that over time it'll really bear fruit and is it shared services are they talking about nutrition and health and and training and is it strategy as well I mean do you have wizards and mystics coaches kind of in the same room with the go-go coaches talking about how you win and and how you create that culture yeah and so we're at the outset of it but it's as I said comprehensive so it's Mm -hmm. absolutely from um, you know sports psychology uh, to player development and supporting our players transition in and out of their careers uh, help them understand how to deal with some of the pressures of family uh, and and riches and finances that mm-hmm. some of them haven't had experience with previously. Uh, but then also, you know, how can you handle your the adversity that's going to hit you? You know, mm-hmm. when you when you play, whether it's through injury or struggles on the court, 
uh, how do we make sure that our coaches are as supported as they possibly can be and certainly from a performance and medical standpoint from a nutrition standpoint all those things are in place as well and the big thing that we want to be able to do is engage our athletes in a different manner in a more intimate manner so that uh, we understand what their needs are uh, and that we're, we're there uh, anticipating when they need something as opposed to trying to react. So you're now, uh, and as we kind of wrap this up, you're now getting close to a year being in, and it'll be a year once the fall comes or the summer comes. Um, obviously, there's been progress. You've got the Mystics, won the WNBA championship. Um, <laughs> Not sure how much credit we can take. Well, that's okay. That, but, yeah. Take credit where you can. Um, you know, an exciting young team, you know, without John Wall this year, but Bradley Beal's had a heck of a year. Uh, there have been some really other big strides that – Ted and the organization have made with the collective bargaining agreement with the WNBA, the number one pick in the NBA 2K League, Um, you know, the GoGo trying to do innovative things. There was a STEM program that they did a couple weeks ago. Um, So now you're into this point. Now, where would you, if someone looked at this without making bold predictions in a couple years in terms of shared services and and opportunities that you think will grow, where do you kind of take this now in the next year now that you've been into it so far? Yeah, I think we've put a lot of the foundational pieces in place, and now we really have to execute. I mean, I think we're going to have a, one of the better analytics groups, uh, and, and here we are at Sloan. Mm-hmm. We're going to have one of the better analytics groups in professional sports. Uh, I think we will have more shared information and services going across all of the teams. I think the culture overall, when you walk into the, our building in a year's time, it'll feel even more familial than it is now. Uh, we're starting to open up and build some of that trust with with our athletes and Sashia Jones and John Thompson are spearheading that uh, that initiative. So those are some of the things that I would look for. But but I think it's it's taking providing a service to providing an excellent level of service mm. and an intimate level of service in terms of knowing our athletes a little bit better than we do today or a lot better than we do today. And as I said, really being able to anticipate their needs. So I think there's a lot there. Um, uh, for us to, to capitalize on, and and I do think you'll see this kind of come to life. We've stood up, stood up. You know, mm-hmm. we've got the structure, the bones in place, but now I think we need to start to really walk, jog, and then ultimately hit a good stride and, and sprint as we move forward with our teams. So, and then the last question, because we have a lot of students who listen in or people looking to change careers, as you've gone through this kind of circuitous career. Mm. Um, some very different groups, obviously, different leaders. Um, what's the advice when young people come in or you're talking to a young athlete? Uh, what do you tell them about growing a career, some things that, that you've learned from some of the people that you, you've encountered over the years? Know yourself. Hmm. Um, don't let uh, your career, your success define who you are. You know who you were before you came to this. And if you don't, get a chance to know yourself and make sure you understand yourself really well because this is a this is a a tough business and we all face uh those moments when we question a decision uh but but if you're questioning yourself then there's a problem so i would say first of all know who you are coming into the business second thing i tell a lot of young students is um, do not take a menial sports job and sacrifice a more substantive Um, non-sports job where you get vastly better experience you can come back into sports you can network in around sports uh, but it's really critical that you become the best professional at whatever your expertise happens to be 
Uh, so if you have a chance to go out and become a great marker somewhere, coming in and taking a, a very entry-level job with not a lot of development at a sports team is something that I constantly advise against. And it, it's tough because, you know, one of the diff most difficult things is can I ever get into sports for those that are passionate about it? Uh, but sports isn't the end-all be-all. And at this point, I would say our industry is not particularly good, particularly on the team side, developing people and growing mm -hmm. them and giving them opportunities, particularly from entry-level jobs, to, to, to grow. Uh, and there are certainly stories out there where that does happen, but more often than not, it doesn't. So find a great place where you can be trained and learn your, learn your craft and grow yourself professionally. Great. So once again, we've been listening. Uh, you've been listening to The Cusp Show. Uh, Sashi Brown, SVP of Monumental Basketball, I want to thank you for joining us. Appreciate um, it. I think a lot of people will be following you. have certainly had a very interesting career that, that people can kind of emulate, and you gave us some great advice, which is really important. Good. Thanks cool. for having me. Hey, no problem. Once again, this was the Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Favorito. Without my co-hosts, Tom Richardson or Scott Rosner or LJ Holmgren or Tom Cerny, who's standing here today. Uh, <laughs> once again, we'll see you down the road.